1: Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. Once again, a Tim May podcast brought to you live and direct by lettermanroad.com. Actually, it's not live at all. We're we're recording this on a on a tranquil, beautiful Monday afternoon here in uh, otherwise uh, social distancing uh, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, but I've got, uh, I wouldn't miss this podcast for the world. I wanted to have this man on through the middle of the season last year when uh, J.K. Dobbins was was stomping down on both on both his uh, previous record and, and Eddie George's record of rushing yardage in a season at Ohio State University. And, of course, you all know who that, that kind of zeroes in on who I'm talking about right from the get-go. But uh, the new, one of the newest elected members of the College Football Hall of Fame, Keith Byers, live and direct from Dayton. <laughs> Keith, how you doing, my man? I'm doing wonderful, Tim. Good to be here with you on your podcast.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly.
1: Every time I have you on, I have to start. I mean, every time I'm around you, I start, start smiling because uh, 1984 was the first year I covered Ohio State football as the, as the head beat writer, uh, number one, number two. And uh, as I've, if I've already always told folks, I watched the most dominant first eight games at least by a running back of any running back I'd ever seen. You got you to remember, I grew up – Earl Campbell played against my high school in, in Texas. I oh. saw Billy Sims play in high school, et cetera. But Keith, that 1984 season, man, the reason we're talking about you being in the hall of fame has a hell of a lot to do with that season and that season in general and that Illinois game in particular. Do you agree? Oh,
2: definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that was just, you know, special times and uh, I think about it all the time. I, I, I wouldn't say I think about it every day, but certainly every week, <laughs> you know, it, it crosses yeah. my mind and, you know, and it's special. And, you know, and I got elected to the College Football Hall of Fame, you know, uh, I was on cloud nine. Still, still, still on cloud nine. And very, you know, uh, a thrill of a lifetime and certainly one of the greatest honors I've ever had uh, bestowed upon myself.
1: How did they let you know real quick? You know, everybody has a little, I got a phone call or whatever. I mean, uh, obviously it was probably a phone call, right? I mean, how did you learn that you had been elected? Yeah, and, this, uh, go ahead. No, this year was a little different.
2: Uh, In in years gone by, you know, in the last – I think at least the last five or six, seven, eight years, they've been announcing it at the college football playoffs the week of, you know, the championship game Uh, because, you know, the final – the semifinals come out in June, and then you got to wait another six or seven months, eight months, (laughs) you know, before the the finals come out. And um, this past year, I guess they were celebrating 150 years of college football, so they didn't announce it during the the college football, you know, championships, because I thought it would have been nice, you know, Ohio State was one of the four teams, and um, I didn't hear anything. And so I thought, okay, I've been a finalist for, I think, the last five or six or seven years. And uh, I, you know, like, well, I kind of – I forgot about it. So, early March, um, -March, mid-March, I'm out running errands, and I come home. And my wife is standing in the kitchen, and it was a box on the counter. I said, "What did you?" Got? I think she done bought something off Amazon. I said, what you buy?" She said, "Oh no, this not for me. It's for you." I said, well, "What is it?" She said, "I don't know." And I thought I get fan mail to my house, and so, you know, people want me to autograph different things. And I thought it was, you know, fan I just took, I picked up, and I was about to, you know, set it down. I like, "Oh, it's i don't just open it up. I don't know who it was from." And I saw it was a football. And I'm like, oh, somebody's autographed football. Somebody wants me to autograph a football. And I uh, opened, I started looking for the Sharpie they usually put inside. And there was no Sharpie, it was a letter. Oh, okay. I opened, I read the letter. And I was like, wait a minute, this ain't, it's not And it was like, congratulations, you're inducted into the, you know, 2020, what? you know, College Football Hall of Fame. And i about, I like, wow. I mean, a little tear came in, you know, my eye. I was overwhelmed. My wife said, what's wrong? I'm like, I just got inducted to the College Football Hall of Fame. She started screaming. I was like, wow, this is awesome. This is awesome. Wow. And, you know, I picked up you know, the phone and, you know, called my kids right away. And, you know,
1: the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> well, the rest is history being made. Uh, you know, it's kind of almost a year-long celebration, too, you know. I mean, uh, you know, they take you guys in induction. And, you know, I'm sure they're gonna, we're going to, you know, we'll see you recognized at an Ohio State game this year, hey, we may have to postpone that
2: another year, and if, yeah. they, and if that happens, hey, I'm okay with that. I'll wait to, you know, the fall of 21.
1: You know, dude, I will remind them. Let me let me tell you, man. I'm telling you, but Keith, I want to get into this with you, man, because I I'm not BSing. I mean, your first eight games before you suffered that was was it? I think it was either an ankle or a high ankle sprain. High ankle sprain, yeah. Yeah, against Wisconsin, the last play from scrimmage. You remember y'all's last play? Uh-huh. You might have suffered earlier game, but that's where it manifested no, itself. Yeah,
2: exactly. That cold, rainy, uh, hard oh. turf for uh, Wisconsin. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and uh, and they won that game. You know, you know, you know that team, y'all's team, '84. You know this, but back in the old days when they decided the champion in the regular season didn't have a playoff, as you well know. Uh, Correct. Y'all are still the only team in Big Ten history to win the the. Uh, big 10 championship outright with two losses in the season in in the, in, in on your record, really? Purdue and in Wisconsin. And of course, a lot of people wrote you guys off after that Wisconsin game, you know, with two losses, but you know, it was one of the strange seasons ever. But, uh, but I keep telling everybody y'all played uh, Northwestern and Indiana the next two weeks before you finished with Michigan in the regular season. And you would have had 200 yards by halftime in those oh, two gosh. games, because yeah. that was back when Indiana Northwestern were Indiana in Northwestern, right? <laughs> they really were, right, right. I mean, I just hopped, that hobbled
2: out there for those two games. I, I should have not even been playing, you, you know, those two yeah. games. You know, but remember, we also didn't have a bye week, right? You know, people forget that we had. We played eleven straight games, <laughs> you know, so there was no time, you know, to recover. You just had to, you know, pile up and, and go at it again. I mean. And, uh, you, you yeah. Go back to that Illinois game for a second. I carried about 39 games, 39 times. The following week we played Tom, West Tom, I mean, Michigan State, I carried about 40 times.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, what the hell? That's, That's what a what lot I mean. of
2: yeoman's work uh, of, you know, having to go out
1: there and, and do it. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, that was my – I had a famous uh, – I had a famous, uh, uh, in my opinion, a famous lead on my story the day after the Michigan State game. I said, it wasn't so much like you guys dodged a bullet as the bullet dodged you. Because, <laughs> because remember the guy missed the field goal at the end of the game, I think it was Moshenko or whatever. Uh, and, and as Michael and he said, you know, when you guys are playing in the Rose Bowl in three months, nobody's going to remember how y'all won that game. They're just going to remember you did win it, you know?
2: Exactly. That's the bottom line. You just win it. I mean, and you're just a quick, you know, sidebar. You know, uh, Michigan State and Ohio State, you look at their history, they always play Ohio State tough. I mean, you get a few outliers like the last couple of years with Ohio State and Michigan State. But those games, you go back to Archie Griffin, his four years of playing Michigan State, those are always dogfights. Yeah. You know, no matter, you know, from the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, you don't really find, you know, very many three- or four-year stints where Ohio State blows out Michigan State. They may beat them, but there's going to be dogfight games.
1: That's because, you know, Michigan State has almost always played, has hung their head on great defense, if they can do it, as I call it, hard hitting, hit, as I like to say they used to hit you between the shoulder pads and the knees you know what I mean and uh, uh, yes <laughs> yeah and yeah I know you know that better than anybody and uh you know and if yeah if you want to make Archie mad just bring up the name Levi Jackson you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> watch his face uh watch his face uh go go red on you but uh but I want to get into this so as, I, as I've told everybody you know you went on to finish second the Heisman Trophy that year to to Doug Flutie and let's say you know when Doug Flutie that was no fluke. I mean, you know, number one, he had the hail mary, but number two, you know, when he left, I think he was the the most prolific passing quarterback in major college history at that point from a passing yardage standpoint. But like I said, if you'd have had those, if you'd have had those games against Northwestern and uh, in Indiana, and then backed up with that win over Michigan, I still see you diving over the goal line for a touchdown with that big wrap on your leg. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, just cutting it out, but. You would have won. You would. I, I wonder. You know how many times you thought about how you might have won the Heisman going away.
2: You know. Yeah, but I still think even everything you said, I still should have won the Heisman Trophy. I mean, because you're talking with Doug Flutie. You're talking about his career. It's not a career award. It's yeah. a season award. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. You. You know. But it, it, you know, you're talking about a season as, a, as opposed to a, a career. And remember, he played at Boston College. And it's not like I'm, you know, crapping on Doug Flu. I don't want to come <laughs> off sounding that way. Yeah. But I'm just saying Apples to Apples, I had a better season. I didn't yeah. play independent, you know, they, they they played a Miami team that were down that year. They were they weren't in a conference. You know, and they didn't, you know, you put those numbers up in the big ten. <laughs> and yeah. playing the competition that we had to play week in, week out. And then my season was over when he threw the Hail Mary. That was Thanksgiving weekend. We aren't at that time. Ohio State Michigan game was before Thanksgiving, so right. my my eleven games are already in the can. And you know <laughs> that was Friday, you know after Thanksgiving, everybody's sitting around watching television and they see the Hail Mary pass, and that's the last thing they remember. Yeah, I had no answer because my season was already complete, and I had enough of my body work. I, I still put it up against his body work,
1: <laughs> and. Right. Dude, you said it, it, I think I think that the seventeen hundred and sixty-four yards you, you ended up with rushing that year was then I think the season record for it was. football. It was, yeah, it was, it was a high State season record. Exactly, <laughs> and uh,
2: so I mean, you know, you were you know, you know yeah. I led the nation in rushing, led nation in all rush purpose yards, led nation in touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: hey, but what have you done for me lately? What have you done for me lately? Hey, but <laughs> man, thing, man, one more that, game. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you know that that. The, the problem with you was the one the one shoe run had come in the middle of the season in the most incredible comeback in my opinion in Ohio State history. I know they may have come back from further further down at, at Minnesota uh, later on in like '89 or 90 wherever that game was, but y'all were down 24 to nothing, and you pursued defending to big Ten sport. champs
2: the uh, Illinois yeah. were really good at that time they weren't those yeah. sisters of the poor they were yeah. good
1: they were but good. You, yeah, as I as I wrote in my game story, I said, uh, you know, you had two hundred and seventy one yards and uh four touchdowns with one carry to go. And after that, those three yards you kept for the uh for the fifth touchdown in that game was easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was the most, was the most incredible That's probably like the easiest touchdown I scored. You're right.
2: Yeah, exactly, man. Left in, man. I remember, it like it was five minutes? Uh uh-huh. yeah. But yeah. uh just well, you know, go back to one more thing on the Heisman, and I'll yeah. be, I'll get off it. Yeah. A quarterback hadn't won an award since uh Jim Plunkett. So, that was like a 13-year run with um, 13, 14 years of all running backs and one specialty, Johnny Rogers. Right. So, it was also, let's give it to a quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Instead of, and Byers got another year. He can get it the following year. But, like, no, I want to be like my idol. I want to win two like Archie won two. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, well, I mean. You know, so, it was no quarterback. Yeah. So, you know, it was all a running back and award at that time. And so, why not? Yeah, Leave it that uh, way. It was not like you're doing me a favor. I, I earned it. And so every time I see Doug Flutie, I always remind him, "You keep my trophy clean." So he laughs, <laughs> about it, but <when> I'm serious.
1: <laughs> hey, this is what's funny. This is not funny, huh? But Eddie won it, you know, in '95, and he had, of course, his consummate game was that game against Illinois when he, you know, broke your single game record. I think 300, 327 yeah. yards or something. Yeah, like that. no, 309 or something like anyway. But yeah, but he ended up with 1,900 and something yards rushing for the whole year, including the bowl game. Uh, but the thing about it was everybody remembered that game and the Notre Dame game, and you guys beat Michigan your year. Yeah. So they got beat <laughs> by Michigan. He didn't – I think he was – the first game he was held under 100 yards, but he still won the Heisman because his hay was in the barn, so to speak. You know what I mean? Right, but the, right. It just, it just shows you there's no – there's no cut and dried way people look at voting for the Heisman Trophy. You know, it's like, you know, if you just – put something indelible in their minds, that's what they remember. But, you know, the Doug Flutie, the Hail Mary, that was ridiculous. You know, and you know how people are knee-jerk reactionary. Sure, yeah. But I
2: don't watch the Heisman Trophy ceremony anymore. That was the last year I've
1: I've watched the Heisman
2: Trophy ceremony. I was at the Heisman Trophy ceremony, you know, sitting next to Doug when they go back and look at the video. I'm the last person to get out of my chair and I had the only thing I mustered muster up was the golf clap. That,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. But I don't watch it anymore. Wow. I, I haven't watched it since 1984. And uh, every and, and uh, so I went when Eddie won the Heisman Trophy, I had to hear about it. When Troy Smith won the Heisman Trophy, I had to hear. But I heard about it, you know, a few hours later, or maybe an hour or so later. But I just don't watch. I'm not in my television watching to see who won. Yeah. Because it, it, I'm still stung. I'm still hurt by it. I'm trying to get over it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't watch it.
1: Take take a couple of we'll leave, you know, like yes. that. But uh, that, that that hey, real quick though, put people in your mind. You're sitting there, you got to be sweating a little bit. You're thinking, you're nervous. You're thinking about how you're going to think uh, Earl Bruce and uh, Steve Snap and all these other people. You know sure. what I mean? if, you, if your <laughs> name gets called, what is what is that moment like when your name doesn't get called? What put that for people who haven't experienced that? Because yeah, you know, it's I mean, really an honor. To even be there you know to a certain is. go
2: ahead it is i mean that was my first time ever going to new york city wow. um and back in those days they only flew you in so my parents weren't there you know it wasn't no big hoopla i was there all by myself uh me and a, a reporter from my hometown was there but i was basically on my own and so it was a great weekend uh stayed at the downtown athletic club you know i had a butler for the first time in my life first and only time in my life remember the, like, I had many experiences with a butler. That was the only time in my life I've had a butler. Wow. Uh, a 24-hour limousine. <laughs> so, wow. It was awesome. It was a great experience. You know, I don't know. I, I Where am I going in a limousine? Nowhere. Yeah. Let's go to Macy's. Go to... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me walk around Macy's. Take me, the the take me to Texas Liberty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had a great tour of New York. Yeah. But to sit in that room and uh, your heart is beating, you know, I'm not going to say it was my childhood dream to win the Heisman Trophy uh, because I I wouldn't think about it when I was, you know, seven or eight, nine years old. But once I was in high school, I wanted to win the Heisman Trophy one day. You know, because I saw Archie Griffin win two of them. You know, I'm old enough to remember that. And then when I got to meet Archie uh, during the recruiting process and got to know him over my years at Ohio State, you know, I I made it a goal once I got to Ohio State, you know, once – I chose to go to Ohio State. Not only do I want to be an All-American here, but I also want to win two Heisman Trophies like my idol, Archie Griffin, won two. So I know it's possible. And it's only possible at this university because it's only a university that ever produced two Heisman Trophy winners of the same person. Uh, so that was my goal at Ohio State. And, you know, I didn't start as a freshman. Had a really good sophomore year. And then I was like, okay, now, my junior year, it could happen. It could happen. And so I had had all my ducks in a row, and I thought – and even to this day, my resume is, was good enough to win the Heisman Trophy, you yeah. know, as a junior. So you can't win two until you win one. And so I thought everything was working in order. So I, I'm sitting in that chair. All those things are going through my mind, you know, that, yeah, I know the Harry Mary pass had already happened. But everybody, oh, Doug Floody's going to win. But I'm like, I just still believe I can win this thing. I still think I got, I still think I can yeah. do it. I still, and so until yeah. the moment of truth when they said Doug Flutie and not Keith Byers. As I was, uh, it didn't happen, you know. So uh, you know, i was still going to be classy and stand up, and you know, a clap and everything else. But I was hurt. I'm, st- <laughs> you know, I was hurt. It was like, and then it's just yeah. like. Everything's about Doug, Bernie Kozar, Keith Byers, uh, stage right. Y'all go on somewhere. You, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> you don't tie your flight lead tomorrow, right? Okay, good.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, Butler, he's, uh, he's off duty. He's uh, off duty yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, real quick, though, before I move on to something, uh, another thing, though, that, you know, is really key here. Uh, just in a nutshell, was there something different? from the middle of the first or the middle of the second quarter on that you felt in that – I'll never ask you this. In that Illinois game, did you feel something sort of come over you? What? What? As you look back on it now, it'd be easy to say, oh, yeah, you know, somebody – you know, I got the touch or whatever. But what do you remember right. that, you know, to this day, do you kind of get goosebumps about how, how that game just opened up in front of you? Well, it, it was, you know –
2: not to make anything up, because I can still remember, you know that. Yeah, I just the only thing that came to my mind was Murphy's Law: anything that can go wrong went wrong. Because I had a fumble in the first quarter with nobody touching me. I'm running around the end, and my the football probably should have had a touch high and tight, but I had a tendency, you know, <laughs> to carry the ball loose, and I bounced that, and then boom, two plays later, touchdown. I'm like, man, these guys aren't beating us. We're beating ourselves. Yeah. They're a good football team. We, why are we, you know, doing this? And so I, when I followed the ball, I'm like, man, it's one of them days. Anything that can go wrong, went wrong. Can go wrong. Anything that can go wrong, will go wrong. But also the opposite, of true. Th- th- we got time to turn this thing around. We're they They're playing well. We're playing bad. Are we going to do this for 60 minutes? I don't think so. All we need is one good thing to happen, and then we can turn this thing around. That's what I was saying to myself. And I put it on myself, you make the good thing happen. You, you know, they made bad things happen by fumbling the ball, leading to a touchdown. You yep. know, it was just Mike Tomzak throws the interception on a on a quick slant. You get a credit, the defensive back for Illinois. He made a great dive pass, right? He jumped in front of Chris Carter. Bam, but like a hitch. Another touchdown. So yep. anything that we did wrong, they was capitalizing, not on field goals, touchdowns. Yep. So he's it like, it's just matter time, guys. You know, so when I finally – scored the first touchdown, you know, and made it 24 to 7. That's when I came to the national, you know, to the television camera and said, we're coming back. I felt that. I I felt it and I believed it. And it would got to be contagious. Just like in the first quarter, the contagion, everything that was bad happening for us, that got to be contagious. So now if something good happened for us, that got to be contagious. And then oh okay. You know, I said what everybody else kind of believed. I just said it out loud, and everybody fed off that energy. And then next thing you know, oh, no, oh, there's a fumble. <laughs> there, you know, now they fumbling the football. You know, Sonny Gordon, you know, on uh, uh, kickoff team, and then next thing you know, uh, we're back in this thing. Yeah. yeah what well, well, was the halftime score, like 24-21 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It was a hell of you a know, second quarter. Yeah. Yes. They, they They won the first quarter. We won the second quarter. Now let's go battle. This second half, no. <laughs> and it was a battle.
1: Yeah, I, I just—it's just amazing to me. And I want to think back to because you know the the run without the shoe. I mean, you know, guys become legends for whatever you know for all kinds of reasons. But the run without the shoe in the shoe—that's <laughs> <laughs> apropos, <Jeez>. right? <laughs> you can't make that crap up, right? No, no,
2: no, no, no. You can't. You, you, you can't. And I mean, and that's something that would be with me forever. And yeah. at the time, in that October, Saturday in 1984, I'm not thinking about, you know, history. I'm thinking about today. Let's win this game today. I didn't plan my shoe coming off. And I don't, I still to this day, I don't. it wasn't untied. It, it was fully strung up. I don't know why my shoe came off. Yeah. I, you know, it yeah. just, I just made that cut. And I'm like, what? This don't feel right. Kick it. <laughs> so I kicked it off. And I can hear Earl Bruce's ear, you know, in my ear. Turn on the high test, <laughs> you know, You turn the high test on, yeah. And I just, yeah. you know, shift yeah. into another gear.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. One of my favorite lines from you. One time I was interviewing you, and I said, uh, you know, do you do you know how fast you you know are actually running when you run? Because you know, I'm not sure your 40 time blew people away, but you your big line was something. I'm as fast as I have to be, you yeah. know, and uh, and and that. That was a great example, that one play. But I'm telling you, you know. But, see, Tim, you're talking about my 40 time.
2: You know, the best way to describe, describe my 40 time was deceptive. I was deceptively fast. Earl Bruce said one time, have you ever seen anybody catching? Yeah, exactly. You know, I never, yeah, I never got ran down. Exactly. <laughs> and exactly. so, when I, on my pro day going into my senior year, I ran three forties that day, you know, in the spring for the, for the pros. You know, they would come out and, scared, you know, and time us. I ran three forties. I ran the first 40 I ran was a 4.55. Five. The next 40 I ran was a 4.43. And then the next, the last 40 was a 4.5 flat. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so they were like, you ran 4.4? I'm like, yeah. They ran a 40. So they, they all, they, they look at each other like, what are you having for? Like, that's what I got. Like, the, even the pro scouts were surprised how fast I was because yeah. on film, you know, my little short, choppy
1: steps don't look like I'm
2: moving fast. Into exactly. You try to catch me. <laughs> exactly.
1: Well, I, you know, I had uh, I had uh, uh, who did I have on last week? Von Broadback's on last year, and I was talking. I brought up your running style because we were talking about Master Tig and the way he was kind of coming on a little bit. And uh-huh. I said, the great thing about the great thing about the way you ran was your feet were hardly ever more than a couple of inches. It looked like off the ground, so you could make a cut in an instant. You know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> and, and it was it was it was the coolest way to watch. But I would tell you something else, Keith. The thing that stood out to me about that those, like I said, the first eight games, because the high ankle sprain, you gutted it out. And you still had great games the last three games of the regular season. Uh, But, but, but those first eight, I I had a stat, I ran up one time and it was something like 48 or 50% of the plays. uh, You weren't tackled. You were either stopped, you know, after about three or four guys got you or you, or you were forced out of bounds and it was, did you feel like at times that you're sort of like a little bit of a Superman? I mean, like you were back in high school. What was that feeling like? Well, you know, I think
2: I saw a video early, you know, when I was younger of Walter Payton talk about never die, you know, die hard, yeah. never die easy. And that meant one-on-one, you're supposed to win. You know, you don't get tackled one-on-one. He can hang on to help arise. But I always take the, took the individual battles like there's no one person could tackle me. You, got, you may hang on, but, you know, I'm supposed to win, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know, to help Arise. It's going to take two or three of you guys to get me down. One guy is not getting me down. And when I was in high school, I, one of my our rival high schools, um, me and this guy, we got in an argument. He, told, he was like, saying, I'm going to solo tackle you when we play you guys in the two weeks. And, I, and, you know, it was like a friendly nature. I was like, well, you're going to buy me pizza. You know, we submitted this local pizza joint after the game. So on Friday nights, a lot of the high schools, we would come and, you know, yeah. we would sit in sections. And so, like, my high school against, you know. But it was not a game. It was just, you know, just good, friendly, you know, high school kids. And I said, you're buying pizza. you will going to buy us a whole pizza if you solo tackle me. And I'll buy you a pizza if you, if I, if you, if you tackle me. And we, needless to say, he had to buy me pizza in the cup when we played after that Friday night. But yeah. he had brought, he had, it was offsides. It was off offsides penalty. And he grabbed me by the ankle. And the referees are blowing the whistle. And he's like, This count." I'm like, man, you don't let me go. <laughs> no, I mean, I tackled you. I'm like, It was all, it was, I'll let you tackle. Me. It was all sides. That don't count. <laughs> but I always took those individual battles, you know, I'm supposed to win. And I carried yeah. that on from high school, college, and professional. You know, I'm like, I'm not supposed to, you know, I'm not supposed to let you get me down. Yeah. <laughs> so, what you're talking about at college, I really was that yeah, way. It was like big – you know, big boy, big man ball. You know, you're know, supposed to win. One-on-one, yeah. on one,
1: I'm supposed to win. By the way, what kind of pizza? What, what is it? What, what do you keep fires? What kind of pizza do Keith keep fires? The Byers? same one I like today, sausage and pepperoni. There you go, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Sausage so and pepperoni, please, Pepe. Hey, uh, real quick, I don't want to mean to jump to bad memories, but I, want to, I want to keep this going a little bit. Uh, man, Earl Bruce has got all these plans for you in 85. I mean, you're going to be – you're going to be the Cadillac. You're going to be the motor boats. You're going to be the – you're going to be – you know, Chris. you may have more catches than Chris Carter based on what you guys were going to try to do on offense. Oh, yeah. And, stuff. and pop. Pop goes the metatarsal. Uh, you were favored to win the Heisman Trophy, et cetera. Speaking of, like, you know, the disappointment you felt about the Heisman the year before, uh, just have you ever – have you ever gotten over that, uh, that 85
2: season? Uh, I, I was, <laughs> I, I guess so. I guess so. I, I've gotten over it from the standpoint where, um, I don't, I don't have any regrets when I look in the mirror, you know, when I think of 85, uh, it, a freak injury. Yeah, yeah. You know, it happened in practice and, uh, you know, I just still – I mean, I just make this normal cut I make every day of the week in practice. And when I go over to the trainer, Billy Hill, and, Billy, this ain't right, I, I heard something. I felt something. And they're like, well, let's get – you know, because he knows I don't complain. I, I, he knew that I never yeah. complained about injuries. And going to Riverside Hospital, and they said, yeah, it's broken. And I think it was – it had to be a misdiagnosis because they was like, you're going to be back in two weeks. You know, it's not that bad. And two weeks went to three weeks, to four weeks, to, you know, basically the whole season, you know, was a wash. And, uh, you know, if I had to do it all over again with our red shirt, no. <laughs> I yeah. wouldn't have red shirt, I would have done – I probably would have done the exact – with the information I had available to me at the time, I would have made the same decision, you know, to, to go ahead and play. And because you know, I was going to come back for a fifth year to try to win the Heisman, No. No, no. So, I, I really don't have any regrets. Okay. And Go ahead. I just wish I could have played those games. Dumb you know, but I regret, I, you, know, the, the, you know, but, you know, that injuries are part of the game. You know, if I'd have done something stupid and got injured, then, yeah, I would regret that. But, no. No.
1: Yeah. That's no. why I remember the game at Colorado that year. I walked by. The game was at Colorado. And, uh, and I walked by and you were, you were sitting in the coach's box there. You were going to watch a game from remember that, the press box. And uh, I knocked on the door and just said hi to you. And it was that – you know, because I know, I know how much you wanted to play, number one. And number two, you know, I keep remembering the trivia question. You know, you, know, you look at the uh, – remember you guys played BYU in the Citrus Bowl that year, in that old Citrus Bowl stadium. Remember sure, right. that, uh, that, that game had Keith Byers, you know, you were on the Ohio State team, it had Chris Carter, had Jim Carsados, They had Robbie Bosco, and I can't remember who their fleet of receivers were. And the only nice. touchdown was scored by Larry Kolick. <laughs> the right. Sir, right? Was that crazy or what? Wow, you're let's, right. That was on a touchdown. You're correct. Let's jump you're into correct. this, though, man. I get to you. You invited me over. <laughs> you let me. You tacitly invited, let me come over and sit in your basement with you guys, your family on draft day of 1986. And uh, I'm sitting there, and we're you had that, y'all had that big TV down in the basement. Right? Oh yeah, that, yeah, oof, yeah. That, and that was a well used basement because I tell everybody the carpet on the stairs was worn out right in the middle. Everybody'd been stepping up and yes. down,
2: right? Yeah, I mean sure. That was my
1: bedroom just off there
2: because the time with you here, he was like, Oh, right, y'all gotta get out. You know, y'all, y'all get y'all growing your little bedroom.
1: Y'all sleep in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> so my bedroom was in the basement. That's yeah. right. But but I'll never forget, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the Philadelphia Eagles called you. Uh the phone rang, and I swear <clears throat> the way I've told the story, the Eagles called you. And they said they were thinking about taking you with that next pick in the first round, uh, but would you be willing to get a pin put into your broken into your broken bone Correct. Uh, in your foot? And I think you told them no at that point. Uh, I did. And I did. Yeah, so I got that right, right? Yeah, but uh, it was they they called at about
2: uh, fourth or fifth pick. Yeah, at that time right. they were it was it was a little earlier than that, and um, they was like, if you're still there at ten. You know, we want to you know, draft you, but only if you're, you're, you're submit to having another operation and we want to insert a pin to make sure you don't have any other, you know, problems with your foot. And yeah. I told him no. And if you remember, my father was like, he was still living at the time. My father looked at yeah. me like, are you kidding me? Like, why would you tell him that? My mother's like, why would you tell her?" I like, Dad, That's right. you know, I trusted, you know, my father was a minister. We are both Christian. I was like, Dad, I, the Lord said I'm not going to need any more surgeries on this foot. It, yeah. I'm doing the right thing. It's going to be fine. So there's no reason to insert the screw because screws break. And I don't, you know, no. it's going to be fine. And my father, yeah. that's what I knew. I was in the manhood because my father deferred and like, I'm going to trust you. you. This is your life. And I, I, I'm going trust you're going to make the right decision. Yeah. And I, I was like, okay. And, I, and at that time, the, the Eagles chose 10th. Everybody had me projected to go nine to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. On a quick sidebar, I always hated the Steelers. I didn't ever want to go there anyway. And that was my father's team, my family's team, the Byers family, are all over Pittsburgh. So they was like, all these years you've been hating the Steelers. Now you're coming to us. (laughs) I was like, oh. So I thought the Steelers was going to draft me anyway if I was still there at the ninth pick instead of the Eagles were picking 10. And so I didn't think the Eagles were going to have – I said, well, I probably won't be there when the Eagles pick anyway. And yeah. of the 28 teams in the NFL at the time, I had visited 21. The Eagles was one of the seven teams I didn't visit. <laughs> so right. I was like, I hadn't even, never even met Buddy Ryan. I was like, I don't want to play for Buddy Ryan. Either. That's a madman in Chicago. I don't want to play for him. <laughs> yeah. He called me a medical reject a couple of days ago. <laughs> so I didn't want to play. I was like, why does he call me a medical reject? The Eagles doctors didn't even see me. So when, it, when I'm talking to the Eagles now, I had, I'm like, no, I'm not, you know, not going to operate on me anymore. No, no yeah. I'm not going to need it.
1: Yeah, but then they pick you. Right so, away. <laughs> it just shows you smoke screen. Everybody runs in the draft, right? I mean, they Correct. say one thing and see another. Uh, yes. The funny thing is, the Lord told you you need more operations, but obviously you've got some. So you ever talked to the Lord about that? Well, no, <laughs> on that foot.
2: Yeah. On that foot, no. I've never – that, right. that foot has never given me any problems. That's right. The other foot, though, you didn't you, I mean, – I broke the other foot. Yeah. And yeah. I had the same exact surgery on the other foot, no problems. Wow. Wow. No problems. So, the answer was in Columbus, Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah. Columbus, there Ohio. you so, go, bro. There you so, yeah. go. That's why I had the answer The Lord was right. I know, no – no more – No lawyer was right. Yeah. He I was. We'll give
1: yeah. that one to him. Yeah. Uh, but keep, you know, there's we can go on for like 14 hours. I know you wouldn't want to, but I want to speak to something that I mean, I've I've always told people, you know, everybody talks about the hybrid back now, you know, correct? You, you became you, in essence, forced teams to play you as a hybrid back. I mean, if you follow my, I mean, you, in my opinion, you were the 1st about once I got the NFL, yeah, once you got the NFL, you kind of revolutionized. Kind of like what Mike Grable did, you know, with the Patriots, when they figured out where to play him, he could do all these other different kind of things. Uh, You know, you had more receiving yards. You did rushing yards, right, in the NFL by far. I mean, do you feel like you sort of changed changed the NFL a little bit or at least football? I was ahead of my time. I was ahead of my
2: time. And and, uh, I credit Buddy Ryan, you know, for that um, because – You know, you're talking about the two foot injuries that I had, my senior year in college, and then after my rookie year in the NFL. So my first two years in the NFL, I had no training camp. I just went straight to the first game of the season (laughs) when I got cleared. (laughs) And uh, it wasn't until after my second season in the NFL, uh, that was my first season without rehab. And so during this time of the year, and we're back in Buddy Ryan days, we started in Philadelphia. We started off-season workouts in late February, early March. Wow. And so during those times, I was proven to, uh, doing those workouts on off season, I would work out with the wide receivers because how much can a running back do during that time other than run through some bag drills and stuff like that? So I was working out with Mike Quick and Chris Carter and those guys running the same exact routes that they were running, working on with Randall Cunningham. Yeah. And so Buddy Ryan was like, man, that, geez, I mean, <laughs> he's just as smooth as those guys. Yeah. And then we draft Keith Jackson that spring, you know, uh, in 88. And then Buddy Ryan had epiphany, like, because I was like, I, I've always learned, you know, make yourself valuable. And I always wanted to be an every down back. And now the NFL is, you know, they were bringing this third receiver, bringing a second tight end, and three tight end. And then somebody's got to come out of the game. I'm like, Co- Coach, we don't, I don't have to come out of the game. I could play these multiple positions. You know, so if we go to two tight ends, I could be the second tight end. We go to three receivers, I could be the third receiver lineup up in the slot. And so me and Keith Jackson, we was that guy. So sometimes Keith Jackson will line up in the slot, and I'll play tight end. (laughs) Or we go to uh, three tight ends, I'll be the third tight end. You know, with two two backs, I'll be the second back or the first back. You know, I never had any ego about how many times I'm going to carry the football. All I was always concerned about from high school, college, and professional was about winning football games. That was the bottom line with me. You know, I was never that selfish guy. You know, give me the ball, give me the ball. I never cried about carries. You know, didn't have to cry about carries at Ohio State. I got the ball a lot. But (laughs) I wasn't about it. But my freshman year at Ohio State, I played fullback. It was about the team. (laughs) You know, we're like, well, I'm this hot shot running back coming here. I need X amount of carries. No, I want to see the team do well. So it's always, I was always a team-first player, you know. It's, it's, so it's not easy to say, well, because you got all the carries. No, I didn't – you know, even in high school, That's I cool. didn't play running back till my junior year. The coach moved me to running back. I didn't want to play running back. I was like, I just want to – just get me the ball. Because yeah. I, I was playing tight end prior to, to switching to running back as a junior in high school. <laughs> yeah. So it's always been about the team. So then when you got to the NFL – you know, yeah, I caught the ball more and I carried it. But I didn't care. All I wanted to do was win. And that also cost me a lot of Pro Bowl nods, <laughs> you know, because they didn't put a pullback in the in the Pro Bowl until 1993. Yeah. That was my eighth year in the NFL. And they kind of didn't know <laughs> what to think of you,
1: right? <laughs> they didn't I mean, know where kept... to vote for me. They was like, Chief,
2: yeah. you don't really have a position. You're clearly one of the best players in the league, you know, especially, yeah. you know on your team and you know, on the NFC. Uh, they didn't know where to vote for me. So, no, a lot really of Pro I
1: didn't get yeah. voted to. Yeah, it's, it's really funny. You didn't really have a position, but you never left the field. <laughs> you never left the field, right. <laughs> yeah. You're just filling a hole out there, you know. Yeah,
2: but, I'm out there with twelve, fourteen hundred, thirteen hundred yards, all-purpose yards with no Pro Bow nod.
1: Uh, you know, that's, <laughs> no, that's No, that is really crazy. That is really crazy. And number two, though, I really – you know, you may disagree with me. I think the fact that you didn't turn into that, you know, what they call that consummate just pound and – you know, ground and pound running back in the NFL helped you stay in the NFL longer, don't you think? I mean, what do you – uh, you, you know, from – Maybe. Maybe take the pounding. You know what I'm talking about. I yeah, mean, but, you know, but it depends
2: on – I would – if I had have got drafted to Pittsburgh and they were going to give me the ball, you know, 300 times a year, you know, yeah. would that have cut down some years on my career? I don't know, possibly. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's – Yeah. But I don't think my career would have been – um any less. Yeah, I got you. Based just, on how many years you play. Yeah. A quality, a quality career is based on a quality career, not number of years.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I mean, I, but I was just talking about, you know, a lot of running backs, you know, back in the day, man. I mean, Earl Campbell, you know, uh, you know George Rogers, all those guys, even you, you know, especially your junior year. My sure. goodness. You know, Archie Griffin, look how many carries he had, you know, his last <laughs> three years in college. And I really believe there's only, you know, like beats of your heart. You know, some people think you only have so many heartbeats. I really believe you only have so many carries until there's a, a fall off. You know what I mean? And I don't uh, mean that. I, I know mean what you're saying. It. I,
2: I, I kind of agree with you, but the only part I disagree with is in today's game. Yeah. Today's game David. is less physical. Yes. And so I think that's a way of the NFL owners keeping the, the running backs payload. Yeah. You know, so he's taking too many hits. Well, he's not taking that. Come on. Like when Ezekiel Elliott, they was talking about him. Like, yeah, yeah Ezekiel's taking a lot of hits, but he's deserving. Give the man yeah. his money. You don't say yeah. that about quarterbacks. Their rotator cuff can be thrown out just as quickly. You know, look at Big Ben Roethlisberger. But, they yeah. but they're giving him room to come back. What about – he's thrown the ball an awful lot of times in his, what, 15-year career, however long he's been in the league. Yeah. He's still, look at Tom Brady. His arm isn't thrown out yet. The yeah. quarterbacks, their arms are fine. But the running back, oh, they've taken too many hits.
1: No. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just meant, you know, I yeah. I mean, I just remembered uh, Jim Brown finally said, hey, I'm going out on top. You know what I mean? I'm going to, you know, I I know that once I've gotten to this part of the mountain, you know, the next part is going to be tough. I want to – I don't want to leave here limping. I want to leave here, you know, with a smile on my face. You know, Yeah, but Jim Brown, he was running to Hollywood. He had to yeah.
2: make more money in Hollywood than he was for the Browns.
1: That's true. He was part of Raquel Welch, you know, instead yes. of a
2: – Paul Brown. <laughs> but let me see Jim Brown make that decision, making the money they're making today.
1: Oh, dude, <laughs> <laughs> he'd have, he have played till he was fifty. Yeah, exactly. Are you kidding me? He, Oh, yeah. He don't. He don't. He a team in the league by now. Hey, uh, <laughs> real quick, I want to get there. I want to get into that with you. Uh, the, the the draft is coming up. It's going to be a remote draft and stuff. And uh, you now it's going to be kind of like it's that. Not a you draft. A draft it used to be the draft. It's all, old school draft. Yeah, yeah, we don't so need all the pomp yeah. and circumstance
2: of going to Las Vegas and walking on the red carpet, and uh, that's fine. But that's not the end of the world. What you're really concerned about is your favorite team getting the right guy on, the, on your team so you'll be successful. Yeah. Who remembers where Tom Brady was on draft day when he was in New, in New yeah. England? We don't exactly. care. Yeah. You know, that doesn't matter. I would, all I'm concerned about, can you play for my team that I want to win? So I like the idea uh, I mean, it's okay with the pomp and circumstance that, you know, they've had in years gone by. But if you have an at-home draft, so what? That's how it used to be anyway. It's not the end of the world. Hey, spend some time with your family, as long as you, you know, keep your social distance. But that's okay <laughs> to have an at-home draft again. And then, you know, uh, you don't need to have 45, 50 people in the war room to make a decision on who you're going to draft in the fifth round. Yeah. You yeah. know, those decisions ought to be made you know, over the next two weeks who you want in the first round, second round, you know, you, you know, you got your yeah. draft board, you're picking 15 or 20 or whatever it is. You only can choose how many guys you projected in the first round. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, yeah. you don't have 30 guys drafted in the first round in your draft board. You probably only have, based on where you're picking at, anywhere between five and ten guys.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. You know, you yeah. the, even the Cincinnati Bengals. How many guys do they got on their draft board for the first pick of the draft?
1: Yeah. Four yeah. four guys. That's about yeah. it. <laughs> and they'll, they'll probably pick the wrong guy. No, I'm just joking. There <laughs> never hey, know uh, with you. Hey, real quick, I, I wanted to – you know, what was your impression of J.K. Dobbins? the way he bounced back from a – he thought it was a mediocre year the year before, a thousand-yard years, You know, mediocre. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and he sets the uh, school record last year. But I, I didn't get to talk to you about this. But what did you think of J.K. and the way he played and just – what do you think his, you know, his prospects are, so to speak, in this draft, et cetera?
2: Well, as an Ohio State Buckeye, I mean, he give you what you ask for. All I want is all you got, and that's what J.K. did. J.K. Yeah. gave you everything he had every time he got the football in his three years at Ohio State. He didn't leave anything on the field. Even that last game against Clemson, you know, he, 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 he left it all out there on the field. If he'd have been healthy in that Clemson game, Hey, I think he's going to break one or two more plays and Ohio State wins that game. Uh so he's yeah. definitely, you know, a Buckeye legend, one of the greatest running backs to ever play at Ohio State. Uh and he gives you all the, you know, I, I, you know, I saw, or text him after almost every game. You know, I I told him hey man you know, if you have them 40, 60, 70 yard touchdown runs, I'm running every step with you. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> can you yeah. get some rest tonight? <laughs> so, uh, I'm huge J.K. Dobbins fan. So, on the NFL part, I think he's a first round draft pick. I, I mean, if you're drafting a running back in the first round, I don't know why he's not the first running back off the board. Yeah. And I've seen all the running backs that's in the draft, tremendous running backs, but I got to go with J.K. because J.K., everybody can run the ball. Can everybody block? Can everybody catch the ball? And I think J.K. Dobbins checks all those marks. You know, similar. I'm not calling him Saquon Barkley, but like Saquon Barkley could block, he could run, and he could you know catch the football. J.K. Dobbins is that kind of threat. And uh, with within the NFL draft, it's always who you get drafted to that can you know uh, feature your your skills. Right. You know, I, I think as long as he gets drafted to the right team. Uh, He's gonna be. He's gonna do fine in the NFL, real fine. I really see him being somebody, you know, like the New England Patriots. If he goes there, it would, you know, they they would feature all the things that he does well.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, Bill, Bill Belichick would love him because yes. he's a no nonsense dude. I mean, he, he's 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 what I call he's unselfish. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but he wants the ball, you know. Don't you know? But all you guys want the ball. We all want you know the mean? ball. It's yeah. a, you don't want the ball. I got a problem with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you no, know, coach. Not not, not not tonight. Right. Hey, uh, Keith, how would you have fared in a in in one of these modern day college spread offenses like Ohio State has run for the last many years? I, I and I, you know, people sometimes when you when you say stuff like I'm fixing to say, they think, "Oh, you're living in the past. You're an old guy." But I mean, the way. The way you could get to the edge, for example, but then the way you ran through arm tackles, when, you know, and that's the key now, man, because you spread a defense so wide. Right. You, it's just an arm tackle, you know, uh, uh, jamboree out there, and you ran through arm tackles like it was a – you know, like they, were, like they were pixie sticks. And how do you think you would have fared in this kind of offense with a – you know, with a pretty good passing quarterback, you know, to kind of – to basically make it honest?
2: Oh, I I think I would have been pretty pretty good. <laughs> but what I like about it, only only thing I like I like everything about it. But my only drawback was I don't want to run read option. I want just make sure just give me the ball, and they do have that option in there. where yeah. it's, it's a give, but most of the time it's it's a fifty fifty carry. It's a, it's an option, and I, yeah. I don't like that. I, I, you know because. <laughs> They're going to so take you, me to make yeah. sure, to, you know, they're going to make sure Tom Zach keeps the ball more so than me. So yeah. I don't want that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, hey. I don't mind you spread them out, but make sure you give me the football.
1: Hey, actually, that <laughs> spring game in 84, Tom Zach didn't want that anymore either, did he? No, oh, wow. Man. <laughs> he were looking at the picture. Unbelievable. <laughs> but, but now that's say but so you can you hit the quarterback in the spring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Break it, break the quarterback's leg. No big deal. Um, no. uh, <laughs> uh but yeah, but you would have loved playing on Dwayne Haskins Junior's team, man. That's for sure.
2: <laughs> oh yes,
1: because yeah. Dwayne's gonna give it up. Dwayne's <laughs> gonna give it up, exactly. Well, hey, man, boy, this has been great, uh, Keith. Uh, and yeah, uh, good. Yeah, like I said, we this is my first time kid. on a Zoom. This is different. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with it. this. is cool. Yeah, but uh, but uh, but I mean, I've had a great time, and I, I really appreciate you coming on. And I'm gonna have you on in the middle of the season next year too. But sure, because, I mean, you. Just, You just bring enlightenment because you've got a couple of shows going yourself, right? What What all do you have going on uh, as far as media goes?
2: Well, I do. Today's Monday, so I did my show today. Uh, uh, The Keith Byer show every Mondays at uh uh, noon, noon to one, and usually before the uh, COVID nineteen, I was doing the show on Sunday also. So that'll probably come back, and then after this is over with, I'm probably going to move to doing something five days a week, uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, oh, really? Uh, yeah, probably uh, my regular yeah. – probably be about three hours a day. And uh, would that be uh, local radio
1: there in Dayton or where are where, where, where you? Here in Dayton. Here in Dayton. Yeah. 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 That's cool, man. I mean, because, you know, I've always enjoyed – as you can tell, I've always enjoyed talking with you, man. Cause you, right, likewise, Tim. I, no, I, I like you because you're fair. Yeah, but you're, what you're I appreciate you, I appreciate you because you tell it like it is, man. And that's what that's what sets guys apart, you know. And uh, you know what I'm talking about. And we hardly sure. really ever get to see these players anymore. You used to see me. You guys, I used to hang out at the Woody Hayes Center all – well, it wasn't a Woody Hayes. <laughs> it wasn't no facility. Yeah, it was a facility back then. They didn't build the Woody Hayes
2: yet. But yeah, I bro, I, I'm still envious when I go back there. I'm like, wow.
1: Yeah.
2: You guys supposed to – you to throw your helmet on the field and win 10 games with all this facility you got here <laughs> and your schedule. <laughs> and, the, hey, and the water wall in the in the dressing room, the water wall. I tell them we didn't play anybody in Ohio. <laughs> oh, the water wall. Awesome.
1: Unbelievable. Awesome. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, hey, Keith, I'll have you on again, man, if you'll do it. Now. Well, if you need me on here, give me a call, brother. But I okay. appreciate it. Thank you, Tim. I'll definitely I'll hang on to it. I'll let you know. <laughs> All right. We'll be back All just right. in a moment, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. My my, friend, my buddy Boston, Austin Ward, and we'll be talking a little bit about Ohio State football. But, man, I really appreciate my friend Keith Byers coming on. Like I said, the most dominant college football season by a running back I ever saw, at least until that high ankle sprain. And even then, he was pretty damn good. (laughs) Keith, thanks for coming on, my man. Have a good one now. Thank you. And just like I promised, ladies and gentlemen, we're back with my good friend, Boston. You know him as Austin Ward. Uh, Boston, glad to see you. Glad to see you're keeping your social distancing. You're quarantining in place. Uh, How's that quarantine going, my man?
0: Uh, We made it through another week. So, uh, hanging in there the best we can. Saw that you actually got to see uh, your grandson. So, a little variety for you. I'm sure that made your day and brightened up your quarantine as well, but we're we're trying to uh to survive this the best we can and so far so good.
1: Well, the only rule I'm breaking is my wife and I my my wife and I are are babysitting our grandson Owen right now. We babysat him all last week and going to babysit him the next couple of weeks because my my son and his and his wife both are working at home and uh, you remember you remember back when Liberty was one and was one and a half and not as old as she is now, you know, and knows everything now, I'm sure. But uh, (laughs) you got to watch. There's no way you can have a 1.3 month old uh, kid running around. I'm talking about one year, three months running around and do your job at the same time. It's impossible.
0: Yeah. We used to, I remember back like before Liberty was even born, you know, Allie and I were talking about it. Like, gosh, I mean, daycare is expensive. And you know, you work from home, like, what if we could do uh, two days of daycare or three days of daycare? Like, don't you you think you could watch her? Like, even when she was, you know, three months old, and it was just the weekend, I was like, I'm sure glad that we didn't try to do that. Because there's no way I can get the work done, even when before she could walk before she started talking. And now, you know, especially with uh, us both working from home currently in this situation, two journalists, you know, trying to get through the day. And she's she does like Disney Plus and she will watch movies, but she's starting to, you know, fight back a little bit at two and a half. And I think right now she's sitting out there, she refuses refusing to wear clothes and begging for popsicles. So it's yeah. been, you know, that part has been a test as we all try to, you know, make sacrifices and work. Like you try to f- remember the bright side that we're getting bonus family time, but we also now remember what we were paying for at daycare.
1: Yeah, and the other thing you do is you end up working, you know there's going to be a two and a half, three hour window probably that's going to work for you, and that's when you got to get it done, you know, right? Like this yeah. podcast. And like I'm, not, and I'm, not used, yeah. I'm not used to doing that. <laughs> yeah, but that's like with inter, you know, inter, interviewing Representative uh, Anthony Gonzalez, you know, I mean, you know, there was that little window and you had to get it done, right?
0: Two o'clock, you got 20 minutes, Liberty was uh, fighting that nap time a little bit, uh, just to peek really behind the curtain today, but... We got it done. Yeah. Like it's not like I was going to be able to say, "Hey, uh, uh, while you're helping push through stimulus bills there in D.C., Gonzo, I need to uh, just give me yeah. a minute. like. You, I can reschedule with you for 15 minutes, and we understand uh, personal life. But he's on a different schedule than us."
1: Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. By the way, uh, and you you're you're just now encountering it. Uh, before we move on and actually talk about some Ohio State football, um, <laughs> the most empowering moment of a young kid's life is when. He or she understands that they can say no, because no becomes their—it's like a contrarian. No becomes their default, and you will put up with that for like several months, perhaps even a year. And then when they become a teenager, it'll start all over again. <laughs> but in, enjoy it, enjoy it before the no's really come in in rapid succession, my man.
0: We're 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 deep into trying to the get no bill. In the way right now. Yeah, it's the nose are, are worn out. And, uh, she, you know, I, I don't know if we're this works this way for everybody, but w- we went through like two years where it, we didn't need to, you know, have timeouts or raise our voice and everything was, was great. You know, like we got the, the best behaved kid in the world. Like we're never yeah. going to have anything. And then all of a sudden one day, the no, the no factory opened for business and it is cranking them out right now.
1: And you know why? Because the no is when they realize they're going to get a reaction from you on your face and everything else that tells that they really enjoy it because it means you're actually paying attention to them that they have some power, and that's, that's literally what it's all about you know uh, absolute you know power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely You understand how that goes. <laughs> but anyway, hey, uh, you know who do you think is the most antsy of the Ohio State? coaching staff and support staff right now? I'm going to give you my answer first. I think it's Mickey Marotti. Because really, what are these guys doing? I mean, we're trying to keep tabs on it as much as we can. We can't see them every day. can't see them at all, except uh, perhaps like we're doing through Zoom or, or Skype or something like that, FaceTime. But uh, <clears throat> do you think – I think that's where that's where the edge is going to have to be re, redrawn or re-honed. More than anything else is from a physical standpoint. Uh, once this thing, this novel, uh, novel coronavirus, uh, COVID nineteen, once it's put back in its place and and uh, people can come out of their caves, uh, that's what's going to have to be probably addressed more than anything else about the football team, right?
0: Yeah, I think I think you almost have to <clears throat> take Mickey Moradi like out of the conversation like he he's the strength coach. He's so important. It would be, it would be like saying you know, Ryan Day. Of course those two people are worried about everything because they're the, the top of the pyramid. So I'll give you that one and I'll just say we can leave that and, and dive into the rest of the team. And then if you went from there to the assistants and say, well, okay, who missed the most from spring? Who's going to have to make up the most time if they get it back in the summer, August, whenever whatever. We don't know when it's going to be, but I think, you know, the, the guy that would stand out the most to me would probably be Kerry Combs, just because he wanted to get rolling so bad. He needed to he needed to get that spring to help figure out the pieces he had in the secondary. They were trying to replace those three starters. You know, his personality is such that I'm sure he's finding the bright side of the coaching remotely and uh, you know, firing off long hashtags and texting and and being really, you know, hands-on remotely as as much as he can, but they had so much to do in the secondary that uh, I think that that's a, that's a position, a unit, a particular coach who probably, you know, took this uh, as a, a major negative and Brian Hartline is probably in a similar circumstance with those four freshmen that enrolled early, you know, trying to get them up to speed. Cause there was a really great chance that all four of them could have been in the mix. At least three of them were going to be in the top six uh, in all likelihood. And you yeah. want to make sure that you have the pieces to complement Justin Fields. So, you know, if we, if we named anybody, like they all have things that they wanted to get done in spring and wanted back. But I think probably the greatest sense of urgency, urgency, aside from Maradi and Day, probably would have been with Kerry Combs.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, boy, they really flipped things last year defensively. And, you know, when we were talking to some of the players there before, uh, you know, the uh, social distancing and everything else, quarantine uh, popped into play, et cetera, you know, they're, they're, you know, Kerry was making some slight tweaks, it sounded like to the defense or bringing some slight tweaks to the defense. Although, you know, as Ryan Day said, they're still going to play that one high safety look for the most part. But, uh, you know, Sean Wade, the lone returning starter from that group, and, you know, even he seemed like he was going to be limited a little bit as the spring went on. So it was going to really be a showcase for for these guys like Seven Banks, you know, and Tyreek Johnson and Cam Brown, if Cam Brown got a little more healthy. You know, of course, the silver lining there is. Some of these guys who were having to sit out the spring – by the time this thing recranks, and who knows when it recranks, because like I told you, I've speculated that once they do, they're going to give them an extra week or two in preseason camp to get the uh, to get the wheels greased up again from, from a football standpoint because everybody lost a substantial part of their spring drills, uh, some teams more than others. But, uh, you know, they're going to have five or six weeks, I think, to get things going before they actually play a game, whether that's in September, October, or November. Uh, but – but still, you know, you'd like to have a you'd like to have a feel for that before you go into preseason camp about those all those guys were
0: going to fit, right? Yeah, I think that that's if you get the best case scenario, and that's that bonus time before they play, that might work in in favor of Sean Wade. That might work in favor of Josh Proctor, who was going to miss all of spring, being limited uh, with with what I was told was a shoulder uh, sort of cleanup injury uh, surgery right. after last season. You know, Cam Brown didn't wasn't out there for the first practice, uh, first week of practice. Uh, he wanted to be out there, obviously competing to be a starting, uh, you know, cornerback. Uh, so you had a you had a handful of these guys. You know, Chris Olave wasn't taking part of that first practice that we were out there watching. Um, getting them back, maybe a mini camp sort of situation before a training camp, if the best case scenario comes out to be, maybe that works out better for Ohio State and raises the ceiling. Of course, the trade off is that you know they're not in there doing workouts with Mickey Moratti right now or in, in May, and those are going to be basically impossible to recoup at the level that they would have got um, without any of this shutdown. But, you know, I think they can't just show up in August and then go play in September as planned. Like, that's just not not going to work. It's not fair. The level of play would be too sloppy, potentially dangerous. So, yeah, if, I think you're right. Like, there's going to be a different – amount of time. And if it's two weeks, if it's three weeks, uh, maybe that happens in July. Who, You and I have said this week after week, we don't know. But if you're looking at, you know, a way that impacts Ohio state that it, it could spin into a silver lining and positive, that might make it easier for them. If they, if they would have traded been the given the option of three extra weeks, then go to training camp or spring ball and then the layoff and then training camp. I think they probably, especially knowing, you know, Ryan Day's experience in the NFL, Kerry Combs experience in the NFL heartline, et cetera, they probably prefer that NFL model. And maybe this is something that prompts some change down the road. Maybe this will be the way it goes permanently.
1: Yeah. and, just have a, and like I brought that up with Day, I think it was, or it might have been Urban Meyer at one point. I said, you know, would you prefer to like have like a, a week or two of like OTA kind of stuff, you know, through the year, you know, and they're allowed to work with them a little bit more. The actual coaches are now than they used to be, you know, in certain drills at certain times during the season other than spring or preseason camp. Uh, but, but not like I'm talking about, you know, and it seems like that would like help everybody, you know, uh, make it a little bit more like the NFL model. That might be something they might want to look at down the road. Like you're talking about, I agree hundred percent. And, you know, they kind of like poo-pooed that idea for whatever reason. Cause I think the, they like the idea of uh, four weeks of spring you know, three or four, three and a half practices a week, you know, obviously uh, you got to get 15 in. That's why I said three and a half. They don't just have a half practice and go home, but, but, you know, you follow my drift there. And uh, I think that would work. That would, I think they're going to get to that eventually because they, they work with these guys all year anyway, from a conditioning standpoint. Uh, and so this may hasten that who knows. I mean, just, now this is so crazy though, because uh we're sitting here and we're talking about things we have no idea until the all clear uh, horn sounds, and even then it's going to be there're going to be warnings and uh, cautions and uh, guidelines about the way people should go about their business, like I said, what sets football apart from every other sport with the exception of probably rugby you know is guys run into each other on every play <laughs> you know they tackle each other, they grab each other there's physical contact on every play usually even in even in practice and that's what you know that could be the last stand for COVID-19 if you follow my drift
0: yeah I think you know that's why we've talked maybe a week or two ago about why I don't believe that they would play you know games in the horseshoe with an empty horseshoe not fans I I think right given the demands of, of football that you just talked about physically and the size of the rosters you just you can't do it I mean you're dealing with 85 scholarship players, but 100, you know, plus on a roster, um, half of them are going to have to be traveling from somewhere else in the country uh, and bringing all of their support staff. And, you know, that's a huge number of people that could potentially, um, you know, be asymptomatic and, and, you know, carrying the disease and, and be actually positive. You know, all that stuff is I, I still am trying to learn like everybody the best I can, but I'm not, that's not my background to talk about what ha- disease transmission but right. to me, and based on the conversations I've had, that's the big, that's the big risk is, and why you can't really do it. Correct. Right. Why you're not having gatherings and why they were initially limiting it to a hundred and 50, then 10 or, you know, whatever, and down to staying at home uh, is to limit the exposure to that. And football is a game of exposure. You are constantly at physical risk, um, you know, especially before you even add in this risk of a disease. So that part of it, I think, is is clearly a huge hurdle. While you're probably going to need a vaccine before you get back to work, and I don't know, like, some days I'm more optimistic than others. It depends on which which Monday maybe you're getting me for the podcast about when exactly it happens. All I all I feel confident in saying is that, and I wrote about this on Monday on Letterman Road that right they're going to have to do what they're they're going to do whatever they can to make sure that football is played. And if that means that you have to wait until January um, and then have a buildup of November and December or or what, or what you know what I don't know what it's going to look like, but if you don't have football, you can't have any other sport on college campus um, just because you wouldn't be able to financially afford it. And right? It's such a you know, that 210 million dollar budget that Ohio State has, it's coming almost exclusively from football. Uh, men's basketball basically pays for itself and football pays for everything else. That's the way it's been explained to me. So, you know, the the number one hurdle that we're talking about here is when is football going to be played? Cause, cause nothing else on campus. And, and this sounds, this sounds uh, dismissive of the academic side, but you almost can't do anything if you don't have football because it, it just paves the way. Uh, and it tells you everything that you need to know uh, about uh, getting admissions and getting people to come to campus is that football is the economic driver. So I, I'm, right. kind of, you know, I'm lost when people are like, Oh, an empty stadium will be it. And they'll play it. Well, they can't just give up the hundred million dollars from ticket sales and concessions. Like that's also a huge, that's, that would be a significant blow to letting any of the other 35 sports play. If you don't have football, like you just have to have it. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't, then we're going to be having completely different conversations about our country.
1: Yeah. You know, it'll be interesting to see what conversations are had here in the next several months because, uh, you know, obviously Ryan Day just got a really nice to contract extension and raise. Right. All these coaches got raises, uh, you know, and uh, will they have to readdress some of that? Uh, you know, we'll see. You know, the other thing, like, like I talked about a couple of weeks ago, though, the flip side of all this, if you want to call it the rosy side, is, dude, we could be in if things do kind of like settle down a little quicker than – and maybe some people think uh-huh. we could be in for a hell of a fall and winter when the NHL tries to get its 2020 playoffs in, the NBA tries to get its 2020 playoffs in, college football tries to crank up and play at least some semblance of a, of a schedule headed to a college football playoff. Uh, the NFL does its thing. Baseball tries to figure out what it's going to do. The masters is now, they're talking about a November date for the masters after a PGA championship and in uh, August in a uh, U.S. Open in September. I mean, in auto racing, which, you know, I have my at-speed podcast with Mike Shank, and we, I was talking about this with him the other day on that, uh, you know, uh, the latest podcast is that, you know, you could have everybody going for broke. And the interesting thing there then would be, well, where do the networks, where do they start drawing the line and going, well, wait a minute, this is more important than that. We're going to show this instead of that. You're going to be on tape delay, I mean, you talk about a hoot. 24 hootenanny. hours of sports. Oh my God, you talk about a hoot nanny. That's what exactly what this has got to be, and the, I think that's the. I think that would be the true definition if you looked it up in the dictionary. A hoot nanny is too many sports <laughs> to broadcast at the same time, but it, it could
0: be crazy, right? Yeah. The first thing I did when I the Masters picking that or, or tentatively scheduling for that November ninth to fifteenth week, you know, the first thing I did like, uh, which week is that for Ohio State schedule? Yeah. Um, at at Maryland. Oh, what is that going to be? How am I going to Travel on Friday and Sunday. Am I going to miss Sunday at, at at Augusta? I can't. I can't possibly have that. No, no. And then who knows what that means for you know Blue Jackets games or MLS that that didn't make it into your list. Way down the, for the poor Columbus Crew. But um, I mean, that's that's I think what is getting me by right now is looking for the dates that's rescheduled. And I had a buddy text me that this morning. Like, what? Is, how amazing could this be? if we get everything in the fall all at once, like maybe that's what brings us back out and we paid for it for two months and we were all miserable. Uh, Maybe that brings some of the joy back, just a nonstop sports extravaganza to, to, you know, make up for the time that we lost. That's, that's sort of what's, uh, what's filling me with a little bit of hope. And uh, we've all got to have that. And, And you and I who've devoted our entire lives to, you know, covering sports and being part of the sports world, like that would be the most, amazing time ever to be alive
1: the word you're looking for there that you were grasping for is insane it would be yeah. insane and uh <laughs> you know and uh, and like i said people would have to make choices on what they what they want to watch and heck you may see the big 10 go the Mac route and play games on tuesday
0: and wednesday you know i mean just for i mean if rutgers, play, if rutgers plays illinois on a tuesday night i'm there
1: yeah there you go yeah i'll bet you are man yeah don't, don't count on me i'll i'll be i'll be watching it at home <laughs> but, uh, but yeah that's what that's what we're talking about right now and uh and believe me the administrators know that yeah. uh, you know their lifeblood uh will be television in this thing maybe you know obviously the nhl and the nba are tr- you know we're trying to figure out i think how to do that and still get some revenue from the television side whether or not they have fans in the stands or not you know and uh, but then you got to have advertisers for the television a lot of businesses are taking it on the chin right now so you know it's just because you it'll be there and it can be televised doesn't mean you're going to be able to get that uh you know that money back so to speak because it's it, i think the, i think the economy's going to come back fast once it does but it's still not going to be snap of the finger fast
0: and i think that that's you raise a good point about the nhl and nba and some of the wild ideas that have been floated around the nba playing in vegas yeah jill going to north dakota uh which also uh, a very low number of cases in in my home state of Wyoming if people want to consider that as well. We don't have a ton of uh, ice rinks there, but uh, enough maybe for the Blue Jackets to set up in Casper. Um, And I'll head out there and I'll volunteer to cover the team for a while. Um, It's it's easier for the professional leagues because, you know, they have these grown men and their own unique contracts and they can make their decisions that are independent, whereas a university trying to deal with, are you going to have a football game if – let's just say for a hypothetical that Ohio State goes online only into the fall, that they just want to be proactive. Like, well, then you're dealing with another set of circumstances. Are, do, do all the football players have to sign waivers? Do they have to get exemptions to be allowed on campus? Like, these, they're, they play by a different set of rules that are understandably so because it's, they're, they're at, it's a place of education. And in a lot of cases, you're talking about state-owned, state-operated – uh, universities you know they're not going to all have the same rules even within the big 10 in northwestern oh, yeah. Ohio State's rules would be different so yeah you know, that's a that's a huge hurdle and we don't know how any of that stuff's going to play out but I think that's one reason like every week you and I whenever we talk together or uh, go out with our friends or not or talk to our friends not go out sorry or go on a radio show say what do you think is going to happen uh, <laughs> there's a thousand things that are going to impact that probably even more. And there's just no way for us to know what it's going to be at this point. Like all we, we have to take a page out of Ryan day's playbook and, and, you know, win that moment because you stay home and take care of business because every day that there's a setback or another complicating factor makes it harder for there to be football at all. And none of us want that.
1: You think how maddening this is for a football coach right now because they are so detail oriented, they're so schedule oriented. I mean, you know, Ohio State's got that clock ticking down, you know, to the kickoff of the Michigan game, you know, this year. Uh, you know, the perpetual clock there that resets every, you know, every last Saturday in 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 uh, November. I mean, these guys aren't used to like. I mean, I, you know, I had Liam McCullough on last week. I mean, you know, and I, I wish people would listen to that podcast because when we got into near the end there, when we were talking about how he was impressed, because obviously his brother Ron is still on the football team, and how impressed he was with the way Ryan Day and his staff have gone about their business of organizing, you know, and uh, keeping people on their P's and Q's and things. but they're, they're all working toward an end, and they don't know where the beginning of that end is going to be yet. And if they do know, they've got to have stay in some semblance of shape. They do, do know they've got to stay in some semblance of uh of mental acuity, you know, of of getting ready for whenever they are given the green light. And but it's so strange because there's it's like it's like a two minute drill, but the but the uh but the goal line just keeps moving farther and farther away instead of the other way around. Yeah. And it's just gotta be so odd for them. But you know, and it is sports and I understand that and who you know, but I you know we care about sports sports we've already been through that in a couple of these podcasts about how important sports are to society not just to have something to watch and to do but right. just from a economic financial uh, sense how much impact they have uh, on the world now you know the premier league they're looking at their players trying to take pay cuts and stuff and those guys are balking you know for example over in england and so everybody's dealing with this in their own way but it's it's so maddening because we have no clue when the when the end is going to come, or even the beginning of the end.
0: Yeah, I tried to, and in my mind, and in talking with you know the rest of uh, our our colleagues at Letterman Row, it's like, well, hey, we can get through this because it's just four extra weeks of the off season, and that's that's you know I think a, an optimist way of looking at it, and that's the way we have to attack it because until they actually cancel or i don 't think they will cancel or postpone or tweak the schedule like that 's what it 's going to be and if that's yeah. the, if that 's what uh the situation winds up being great that 's what we plan for, and it 's not going to be uh easy it 's not what we wanted it 's not ideal, and we 're going to have to you know uh, fight and scratch and claw to get through it and and hopefully um, Ohio State uh, will help us with that and continue to try and make you know coaches and players available to us uh, when the opportunities arise because that's a big part, you know, we're, they could probably survive without us, but we're also a a pretty useful apparatus for them. Uh, And we rely on them for our business and, and and helping keep the fans of their program informed. Yeah. Um, But you know, you can't, you can't just pull it out of thin air. When you're talking about there being that end date, we're still working for it the way everybody else is. And it's, it's not easy. So I get it. Like we're not, I'm not trying to stay in the same shape that Justin Fields is, but, um, we want to make sure that we're doing everything during the off season as, as well. And it's yeah. it's, not I mean, easy. it's not easy, but, yeah. you know, that's why we're – that's the situation that we're in. And, and we can't, if we just gave up, then there would be no Letterman Monroe whenever well, he right, comes back.
1: Right now would be a good time for Ohio State, you know, to try like Justin Fields out and a few other players and maybe some coaches and, uh, you know, to kind of stir the pot a little bit. I mean, uh, Justin Fields, I mean, he's the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman Trophy, you know, supposedly. Uh, you know, let's talk to him. What's he doing? How's he how's he uh how's he staying in shape? How's he keeping his arm uh, going? Uh how's he progressing from the uh middle side of the game, etc.? And uh, you know, just to kind of keep his name relevant out there. I mean, not this, not that he's gonna go away and stuff, but you're exactly right. I mean, you know, it would it, it's kinda like uh beat the other people to the punch, so to speak. And uh, we'll see if that starts happening. I got a feeling it will uh on down the road because you know, guys like Jerry Emmick, the S I D and those guys, they've got to understand, you know, I'm sure they're, they're letting their players get through uh, spring semester right now uh, because it was the last couple of weeks of spring semester online. And these guys are also doing stuff online with the football team, you know, yeah. as much as they can. So, uh, but we'll see how that goes. I mean, I think they're, re- you know, they would be blowing a real opportunity here if they don't take advantage of it. Let me just put it that way.
0: And, and you and I are both aware that this is an unprecedented situation and on the list of priorities – we're going to be down there. I, I completely yeah. understand that, but um, you know, you all, I think it's also important. And Ryan Day said this on the call with us uh, whenever that was a week and a half ago, how important it is to try and maintain some of the sense of normalcy and that, and we understand this with our coverage We're we're trying not to, you know, write much about, you know, the virus, except when, when it comes up and, and things that they have to react to. Um, but we're trying to write about the team as if it, everything will be on schedule. And, you know, Spencer Holbrook is writing about, you know, guys who had standout plays and what that could mean for the season when it comes back. And um, yeah. it, it is still an opportunity uh, for us that we that we want the, to provide that outlet for the fans. And Ryan Day said that how much he appreciated that. And I think he has a good, good feel and understanding. Uh, I think you're right. In the next couple of weeks they probably will take more – um, opportunities to step up and, and talk and keep the you know public engaged and informed about that. Cause we can't do it just by ourselves. There's going to be a limit uh, of what we can provide without, yeah. without having the, those interactions that we're used to. But um, at this point, I get it where it's taken two or three weeks and we're fumbling around in the darkness because everybody is like, just because he's Justin Fields or because he's Ryan day or Brian Hartline, they're no different. They're all, all of us are dealing with this for the first time, and there's no playbook, so I, I get it from that perspective. Um, and I'm not trying to, you know, strong arm anybody on the show. I'm just that's the yeah. situation and, and where we're at, and where hopefully we'll all be able to come together and and make the best of that situation that way. I think it's I think it's gonna happen, my man. You know, but that's why, boy, I really appreciate like Keith Byers coming
1: on with me today, man. We talked about the uh, 1984 season in particular, and uh, how close he came to the Heisman Trophy that year and how disappointing it was when he didn't win it and how he doesn't even pay attention to the Heisman anymore except, you know, he'll hear who won it and stuff. But, uh, you know, he, he lost it, of course, to Doug Flutie. Uh, and uh, – but just, just you, know, but, you know, I've got another couple of other special guests lined up for the next couple of weeks and stuff where we'll get into some things. And, you know, you're doing a good job uh, with some of these former players and stuff too, like Jonah Jackson and some of these guys just – you know, as they get ready for the draft. And uh, you know, like I said, you got Represent Representative Anthony Gonzalez on your uh, on uh, this week talking about things and how they're dealing uh, uh, with with the with the with the uh challenge out there in, yeah. in Congress land. But uh you know what we're gonna be back next week and uh with another one of these Tim May podcasts, Boston. I mean, uh, we can still talk of football, man. We can get into some X's and O's yeah, as we the will. thing
0: goes on. Huh? We- we will. I think next week we should just vow to uh, never say the word coronavirus or COVID-19 or any any kind of pandemic talk. Let's just make a pledge right now and we'll pull it off.
1: Well, what I did already, I don't know if you noticed, but I didn't call it that other name because I got admonished by a, a, a lady who uh, listened to me call it something else uh, last week. But, you know, the, as I was like to say, word originated. And yeah. uh, I guess, you know, people get all upset about that. I don't really care, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to, like, throw gasoline on a fire if you follow my drift. Right. Uh, But we all know where it came from. I'll leave it at that. But you know what? Until next week, this is Tim May with my good buddy, Boston. You know him as Austin Ward, the Tim May Podcast. We'll see you then. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com.
2: It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party.
2: Oh, baby, Mama's bringing
0: home the bacon.
1: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. (laughs)